two passages of scripture tonight. We're going to be turning to the book of Hebrews, <clears throat> chapter 3, and then also Proverbs, chapter 24. Pastor said this morning that the night service would be short and sweet. So, <laughs> I don't know whether we just go ahead and dismiss now or what, preach. All right. I don't know whose water this is, but I'm going to put it back here. pastor asked me about a month, two months ago, I don't know how long it's been now, uh, to be, he'd like me to preach on someone, the um, home and child training, and um, so this is an assigned subject here tonight for me, and um, it's not a subject that I'm, uh, I enjoy preaching on. I have preached on it quite a bit in Australia at our churches we worked with. The reason I don't enjoy it is because I'm still trying to raise children. I'm still trying to be a husband. I was not perfect. And um, it seems like when we do face these subjects that the Lord allows us to preach on sometimes, that a lot of times we face the own challenges in our own family and our own home. So the goal tonight is not to, um, uh, to try to get you to be like me or to be like our family, but to try to help you Amen. and to be able to get something from God's Word. And um, anyway, so let's have a word of prayer tonight, and I'd appreciate if you'd pray for me like you'd want me to pray for you if you were standing up here tonight. All right, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we do want to thank you for the privilege it is, Lord, to be able to stand, try to preach your word tonight. We don't want to try to do it in our own strength, in our own flesh. Lord, I ask you to cleanse me and forgive me. Lord, I've tried to examine my own heart. Lord, if there's any area, Lord, where I've failed, Lord, to ask forgiveness, Lord, I ask you to cleanse me and wash me thoroughly. God, I pray, Lord, for your touch in the service tonight. I pray that you'd give us open ears and open minds and open hearts and help us, Lord, to be able to receive that which you have for us. I ask you to help me, help my wife, help our children. God, I ask you to work in our lives. We thank you, Lord, uh, for the privilege it is to be here tonight. Thank you for this good song we just heard. And, Lord, thank you for, for loving someone like me. And thank you for being so good to us. We ask your blessing, Lord, uh, now as we read your word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Hebrews chapter 3. We're going to read verses number 1 through verse number 6. Hebrews 3 and verse number 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that, was appointed, that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath builded the house hath more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after but Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope, firm unto the end. Most everyone lives in some kind of structure uh, that we call a house. And um, there are some people in the world that are less fortunate. My mother used to live in Indonesia. Uh, her husband worked there as an expat worker for uh, several years, and she'd show us pictures of, 
of shacks just up along the, the hillside side and mountainside where uh, many times is no more than just pieces of corrugated tin just uh, placed together in some, court, uh, some sort of fashion uh, to protect themselves from the weather. Sometimes people uh, are homeless and they have nothing more than a cardboard box or a bench to sleep on. I saw an article uh, this afternoon on Fox News. Uh, as I, I didn't get to read it, I just saw the headline, but it, it talked about how that they were building houses on the sidewalks in Los Angeles. Uh, homeless people are, and they was content. They didn't want to have a provided hotel, hotel or motel room uh, from the government. They wanted to stay there on the sidewalk. You know, um, there are those that are blessed to live in houses that have electricity. There are those that uh, have appliances and running water and inside toilet facilities. Uh, even even in the early, uh, even in, uh, up in 2008, I think it was, or 2006, I think it was, we had people in Australia that were still uh, using outside toilet facilities and still cooking on wood stoves in Australia. And you say, oh, well, it was in 2000. Yeah, they were too. But, um, uh, you know, we don't, we, we don't always um, appreciate what we have. I'm sure every couple has dreamed at one time of, of owning a newly built home or at one time or another, and many, many people live in houses that offer uh, modern conveniences, and yet uh, the house may be, you know, an older house. Um, it doesn't matter if it's a new house, an old house, a shack, but every house has to be maintained. Every house has to be maintained. And that's what I want to talk about tonight, maintaining our house. Every house has to be maintained. Here in the scripture that we just read in Hebrews chapter number three, um, we read the, we, we, as we read, we found the word house is mentioned, I believe, um, uh, seven different times. In verse number four, we see that it takes a man to build a house. It says, for every house is built by some man. But it doesn't finish there. It says, and he, but he that built all things is God. Not only does it take a man to build a house, it also shows us that we can't build anything uh, without uh, the building material that God has made and provided. Verse number five, it says that uh, we see that Moses was faithful in all his house. You, I, that, that verse always convicts me right there. It says, and Moses uh, verily was faithful in, didn't say part of his house. It says all of his house, he was faithful. He was faithful he was faithful in all his house. How was he faithful? He was a servant. He wasn't a ramrod. He wasn't a bad example. He was a servant in his house. He was a servant. He said Moses was very faithful in all his house as a servant. How, why was he faithful? Why was he a servant? For a testimony. For a testimony, it says, of those things uh, which were to be spoken after. You remember they say, remember, remember what Moses did? Remember what he did? Those things that were spoken after. The Bible teaches us that every saved person is the temple of God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse number 16, Know you not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse number 19 and 20 says what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God and you're not your own for you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit which are God's. We as individuals, we as families live in a literal 
physical house. I hope everyone here has a home to live in. I believe they do. And we, we live in a literal physical house. And the reason that we're, we're called the temple of God is because the Holy Spirit abides and dwells and lives in the heart of every believer. We see that in Romans 8, verse number 9. The, the houses that we live in are not built overnight. They don't just happen. You, just, you, don't, you don't just go by a place one day and they've cleared a lot and the next day it's the finished house. It doesn't happen that way. It doesn't happen that way. The reason, the reason has it, it takes a process of time. Uh, it's a step-by-step -step process. There's a foundation work. Uh, there's, there's framework. There's finishing work. And it, sometimes it can take up to a year uh, to build a house. Depends on the size of the structure. Houses are not built overnight, and houses don't get run down overnight. It happens over the process of time. You go drive by a house, you drive by a place of property or a piece of property, and there's a, an old house, and it's, it's grown up with vines and weeds and trees. You, can't, you, see, you had to look real hard to see that there was a house there. Nobody lives there anymore. It's run down. People that live there have died. They've moved on or moved out. And, and, and um, uh, houses aren't built overnight, and houses don't get run down overnight. With this in mind, I want you to um, turn, your, turn your Bible back to Proverbs 24. We read there in Hebrews chapter number 3, talking about every house is built by some man, but, every, but, all, but he that built all things is God. I want to read two verses of Scripture here. And these verses here are the verses that God used to help me get this message together uh, to spring off of. And this is what I really want to take my text out of and these, these thoughts. I don't, I don't believe I'll finish this message tonight. We'll try to uh, stop where it's a good stopping point where the Lord have us to. But I'm um, talking about maintaining our house. Look at Proverbs 24 and verse number 3 and verse number 4. Through wisdom is a house builded. And by understanding, it is established. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Let's read it again. Through wisdom is a house builded, and by understanding, it is established. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. There's three desired things there that we want. It's builded, it's a house builded, it's a house established, and it's a house filled. But it happens by three things. It happens through wisdom, it happens, it happened, wisdom, it says through wisdom is a house builded, and it happens by understanding it is established, and by knowledge shall the chambers be filled. So we'll be dealing with, here we see the stages of a house, and the house is built, like I said, through wisdom. It's established to understanding, and it's filled through knowledge. You know, God told Noah to go and uh, build an ark. He wasn't just a little boat. He was a great big ship. And there in the book of Genesis, uh, in chapter number 5 uh, through chapter number 7, you see uh, the, the Genesis account there of, of Noah and, and all the flood, and, and, he, and he told him to build a, an ark that was 300 cubits long. 50 cubits wide, 30 cubits high is approximately 440 feet long, uh, 72 feet wide, and, and 43 feet high. It took Noah approximately 100 years uh, to build an ark. Noah was obedient. You see the words that we're looking at here in, in Proverbs chapter number um, uh, 24 and verse number 3, and it's talking about being builded and established in knowledge. You see, Noah was obedient, and he built the ark. 
Not only did he, he, he do that, he established it. The Bible says that he, he pitched it within and he pitched it without. He sealed it. He didn't want it to leak. And we find that it was filled. It was not only built, it was established, but God filled it. God is the one that filled the ark. He brought those animals in uh, two by two. You see, our text that we looked at in Hebrews chapter number three and verse number seven, it says, but Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are. The Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians uh, chapter number two, Ephesians chapter number two and verse number uh, 21 the Bible tells us this, Ephesians 2 and verse number 21, In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth, together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through uh, the Spirit. The Bible tells us in the book of 1 Peter uh, chapter number 2, 1 Peter chapter number 2 and, and verse number 5, the Bible tells us this, 1 Peter 2 and verse number 5, it says, You're also a, as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. I've been thinking about some applications uh, that I want to point out this evening uh, and apply the stages of, of a house being built and established and filled to the need in our homes. Houses or homes, like I said, are not built and filled and established overnight, and we shouldn't expect the same to happen at the place where we live. We live in a generation where young people are, are getting married and they expect and want to have the same things their parents had uh, when they've had them and been working on that for 30 years or so. It just doesn't happen that way. Amy and I both um, uh, come from homes where our parents were divorced and remarried. And um, we know a little about what it's like to go through uh, that heartache as a child and, and see the um, collateral damage, that, the effect of it. And um, uh, so what I'm saying is we're, we're not, we didn't come up as, um, as church kids. You know, I, I, I didn't get saved until I was 19 years old. I'd made a couple of professions uh, when I was young, uh, but I didn't get saved until I was 19 years old. And, and let me say this, you don't have to repeat your parents' sins. You don't have to repay your parents' shortcomings and their faults. You're going to, we're going to have our own. But you don't have to keep the, keep the thing going. He said, oh, mom and daddy did it. You don't have to stop. You, don't have to, you can stop that stuff by the grace of God. With God's help, you can break the cycle. You can have a home where a husband and wife love each other and when the, where the children are pleasant to be around. Thought it'd get quiet right there. Children can be pleasant to be around. We'll deal with that, Lord willing, more later. I remember, Miss Jimmy, it's not my notes, but I guess it's month before camp meeting. We was up, Brother Jamie and I was come over and have breakfast with you and Miss Katie. And Miss um, Jimmy was talking to Miss Katie and Brother Jamie and myself, and we was having a biscuit. And Miss Jimmy was talking about there how, how um, her and Brother Sammy would, had some kind of disagreement. I can't even remember what it was. And um, she was talking about it, and she looked at me, Brother Randy, right in the face. And she said, you ever get mad at Amy? I said, of course. Just like that. And she looked at me, she said, I just want to see how honest you'd be. 
So here tonight, it's not the idea that we've got a perfect home. That's not what we're trying to promote. That's not what we're trying to project. But you can have a home that honors God. I do thank the Lord for my wife. Lord willing, we'll be married uh, in 30, for 30 years in July. And, and I thank the Lord for our three children. Uh, Paige is 25, Preston's 22, Audrey's 16, and none of them is available. They're all single, but none of them is available. Does that make sense? I want God's will for their life. So with 25 and 22 and 16, that's 63 years of combined experience that Amy and I have as, as parenting children, and we don't know it all. We don't have a perfect home. I'm not a perfect husband. I'm not a, uh, my wife's not a perfect wife, and our children are not perfect children. I promise you, Amy's a much better uh, mother and uh, wife than I am as a dad and husband. All three of our children are different. Each one of them have different personalities, and I expect that each one of you are different. None of you are like my children because you're not my children and not our children, I should say. And, you know, we're all different, but we're all God's, hopefully we're all God's children. If you're not saved here, not you can be. But we're all created beings of God that have different personalities and everyone's different. I, re I remember dealing with an issue when we was in Australia and one of the uh, church plants we was working with there and we had several families come along and not, not a whole lot. And um, the children were outside, and they was playing with sticks about this long. They was having sword fights, and, you know, and I told them, put them sticks down so anything would hurt. And um, I had to go back in, take, in the building and take care of things and to pick them sticks back up. And one of the girls come in crying and saying, so-and-so hit me with a stick. And I looked and had a whelp down the side of her face right at the corner of her eye, just like that. And so... I went to the, I said, who did it? And she said, and pointed it out. And, and I went to the boy's dad, and I took the girl there, and I said, your boy did this, and I said, you need to deal with this. And long story short, he didn't like that, that I told him what he needed to do with his children. Didn't like that. As, a, as, as, a, as the leader of the assembly there, the missionary pastor, I, I, I felt I needed to say, you need to deal with this. I already told them not to do that. You need to deal with that. You know what happened? They got mad. And they left the church. And they didn't come back. A good family. Five children. They said, "My children, our children are not wallflowers like your children. I promise you tonight, our children are not wallflowers. We're not, we're, not trying to, we're not trying to put them up and say, you know, this is, this, is, this is the goal. This is the goal. This is the goal. This is the goal. Everyone's different. You may have some similarities, but no one's the same. You see someone that's just like someone else, they're an imitator. They're an imitator. The goal of the message, like I said, is not to make you family like ours, but for you to be you for God's glory. For you to be you for God's glory. You see, the devil wants chaos, and he wants confusion in your home, but you can have Christ in your home. You can have care in your home. You can have correction in your home. You can have control in your home as a parent. But many of your children are in control. We'll deal with that, Lord willing, later. You can have commun you need communication in your home. 
I want to look at uh, these verses tonight in two areas of thought. I want to deal with the spiritual application of the soul, and I also want to deal with the um, domestic application in the home. Spiritual application in your own soul and the domestic application in your home. The reason I want to deal with the soul first is because you can't have a real home without having Christ in your heart. You can try. You, you know, I was, I, was, I, was raised in a, I was raised in a moral home, but not a Christian home. Uh, I, feared, I feared my daddy. I, I was raised, you know, to do right. Uh, we had some morality in the home, but yet we didn't go to church. Uh, we had some high expectations. Uh, and um, I, remember, I remember as a young man, as a teenager, I remember, uh, you know, the popular, the guys were starting getting earrings and things like that. And my daddy told me, he said, if you ever come home with an earring in your ear, he said, it will be jerked out. And he wasn't talking about removing it. He was talking about ripping, ripping it out. And, um, you know, I remember one time, you know, I had to, as a teenager, of course, I wasn't saved and right with God. And uh, my curfew was 11 o'clock. And um, I had a flat um, uh, about a mile away from home. And it was 11 o'clock when I had the flat. I mean, I had just put it down to the wire. I was going to be, I was going to be home at 11 o'clock. I was going to use all my time that I had, but I had a flat. And um, so I was in good shape and cross country and, and I just took off running towards the house and I was running up the hill and I topped the hill and daddy was pulling out. He was coming to look for me. And um, he said, what's the matter? And he said, I got a flat. I said, I got a flat. He said, you better be glad you had a flat. You be glad you had a flat. And um, so um, I, I was raised in a, in a moral home, but I was not raised in a Christian home. I, I respected my dad and my parents, but um, they didn't do a lot of things like, like we would want to do from the Bible as a saved home, in a saved home. Make sense? So what I'm trying to say is tonight, you, can, you, you can't have a real home where parents love each other and children are raised for the glory of God and to be pleasant to be around without Jesus Christ. You've got to have Christ. I remember Brother Sammy used to say uh, many times, uh, you can have a little bit of heaven or a little bit of hell in your home. You can have a little bit of heaven on earth or you can have a little bit of hell. So tonight, first of all, we're going to look at the individual application to the soul. Jesus said in Matthew chapter number 16 and verse number 8, And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You know, the Lord Jesus, he's in the, he's in the church building business. And he's building his church and he's doing it. He's not doing it with timber and brick and, and stones and mortar and things like that. He's doing it with the souls of mankind. Every time, uh, every time uh, somebody gets saved, he's adding to the church. Uh, it says, and the Lord added to the church, Acts chapter number 2 and verse number 47, the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. That's how he's building his church. He's adding to the church. And as believers are, are as this happens, believers are built upon uh, the foundation of Christ. So we're looking at those three words there in Proverbs 24. We're looking at builded, we're looking at established, and we're looking at filled. So the first thing I'd like to say is the believers are built on the foundation 
of Christ. The Bible tells us in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 and verse number 9. The Bible tells us this, Brother Mike's been going through the book of 1 Corinthians and you see here how in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 and verse number 9 it says, for we are laborers together with God, you are God's husbandry, you are God's building according to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master's builder. I have laid the foundation and another buildeth uh, thereon, but let every man take Take heed how he buildeth thereon. Now it says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. For if any man's work abide which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet, yet so, so as by fire. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God uh, dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. So we find as believers were built on the foundation of Christ. You see, we don't work to be saved. We're not trying to be saved. We're not, we trust in order to be saved. We're, we do, we work because we are saved. We're not trying to get to heaven to be, uh, to get to heaven because we're working our way there. We're working because he saved us. And after we're saved, we're, we're building ourselves on the foundation of Christ. And as the Bible just uh, speaks here, we read in 1 Corinthians 3, some build with materials that are worthwhile and lasting, such as gold, silver, and precious stones. And some build with material that will not stand the heat of the judgment such as wood, hay, and stubble. Jude 20, it says, Build. It says, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. You see, we got a building responsibility. You see, once we get saved, we're not just, we're just not just expected to, we're not just expected just to throw, we're not, we shouldn't be just thrown out there. We're expected to, to, to grow, to build, to build up yourselves on your most holy faith. The Bible says in the book of Acts 20 and verse number 32, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and the word of His grace, which is able to build you up. You see, as you feed on the word of God, it will build you up. It will strengthen you. It will uh, give you insight. It will give you information and instruction on what to do in your home. Build you up and give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. So as believers were built on the foundation of Christ. Second word we see here in, in Proverbs 24 and, and verse number um, uh, 3. We looked at building and now we're looking to establish. So as believers, we're established as we grow and mature in the Lord. Real, estates agent, real estate agents will advertise property uh, often and they'll advertise property and they'll say this is a well-established property. That means that it isn't a new place. That means it's got old growth on it. That means that, that things have been around for a while. It's a well-established property. And you see, the Bible tells us in, in 2 Thessalonians 3, in verse number 3, but the Lord is faithful who shall establish you, establish you, and keep you from evil. James 5, 8, be ye also patient. Establish your hearts. Establish your hearts. 
It says here, James 5, 8, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. 1 Peter 5 and verse number 10, but the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. You see, it takes growth. It takes a maturity uh, to be an established Christian. And it takes, and if any of that's going to take time, it's going to take discipline, and it's going to take application. He said, I know I need to read the Bible, but if you don't get up and do it, it's not going to help you. I know I need to, I need to eat a good meal, but if you, if you get too busy and you don't eat, it's going to show up on you. You're going to feel faint later. And the same thing in the Word of God. You know, I, I know I need to pray. You know, you, if you don't do it, if you're, going to, you're going to get away from God. That's what's going to happen. So we see here, in Proverbs 24, in verse number 3, it says, Through wisdom is a house builded, uh, and by understanding is established, and by knowledge shall the chambers be filled uh, with uh, precious, precious um, and pleasant riches. So as believers, we're, we're, we're built on the foundation of Christ, and as believers, we're established as we grow and mature in the Lord, and as believers, we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians, chapter number 5, that it is a command for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter number 5 and verse number um, 18, And be not drunk with wine when there is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making a melody in your heart uh, to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. In the context there, it's talking about husband and wife. Because it goes on talks about talking about uh, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands under the, uh, as unto the Lord. It, so I ask you the question tonight, do you speak to yourselves in psalms? Do you speak to yourselves in hymns and spiritual songs? Is that, is that what's going through your head? Uh, 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 do you sing and make a melody of your heart to the Lord? Are you thankful for all things? Or are you submitting yourselves uh, to one to another uh, as husband and wife? I've heard many times preachers preach that the husband is the head of the wife. Or the head of the home, I should say. There's only one problem with that. It's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible for the man to be the head of the home. It says that he's head of the wife. You see, the Bible says that he's the head of the wife, Ephesians 5.23. I'll read it. You say, I'm the head of the home. Well, you're probably in the wrong position. Ephesians 5, verse number 23. I think it's just left my Bible. Galatians, Ephesians 5, 23. For the husband is the head of the wife. See, Christ should be the head of the home. He says, I'm in control. You're in the wrong spot. I remember seeing a plaque in Australia, and I saw later, I saw a picture of it. It had the words on it, and I bought it. And, and um, it said this. It said, Christ is the head of this house. It's the unseen guest at every meal and the silent listener to every conversation. Jesus Christ needs to be the head of your home. 
See, there's the individual application to the soul. I'm asking you tonight, are you saved? Are you saved, husband? Are you saved, uh, wife? Do you know that Jesus Christ uh, is, is in control, is the Lord sitting on your heart, and, and is king in your life? Hey, uh, is, is that where, where you are? Because you're not going to be the kind of husband you need to be. You're not going to be the kind of wife you need to be. You're not going to be the kind of dad or the mother you need to be if Jesus Christ is not in your heart. In the form of the Holy Spirit is what I'm talking about. So secondly tonight, we'll move on. Not only is there the individual spiritual application of the soul, but back in Proverbs chapter number 24, we see that there's the individual, there's a, excuse me, the collective application, or excuse me, the collective domestic application in the home. So I want to start talking to husbands and wives a little bit more here. And, and like I say, there's a great difference uh, between uh, a, um, a house and a home. A house is a structural building, but a home is where the husband and wife and the children uh, work together for the same purpose in mind. You see, a building, uh, the building started on your home when you said, I do. You got to looking and, and, and thinking about being married, or you see someone you might like, and you know, you're not, you know, it's not just anybody out there that you can pick. You see, God has one person for you for the will of God for your life as a husband or a wife. That's why I said our children are not available. Because there's one person that's right. One person for the will of God. And it's up to them to find that. You see, when you said I do, the building started on your home. And I believe it's a continual process of building. A house can have problems as it ages. And our homes can have problems as well, no matter how long we've been married. It doesn't matter if you've been married a week. It doesn't matter if you've been married, uh, you know, uh, for 100 years. Uh, but, you know, you're going to go through things. You're going to go through things where you need help. And you're going to need help from God. Sometimes the foundation isn't laid right. Sometimes the foundation starts to crumble on a home or a house. And as husbands and wives, we need to be building on the same foundation. We need to build on the same foundation. That means we're working together for the same purpose in mind. I'm talking about church. I'm talking about children. I'm talking about uh, finances. Be on the same page, husband. Be on the same page, wife. Hey, it's not a question of whether we're going to go to church today. Hey, if we're not sick, we're going to church. If we're not out of town, we're going to our home church. If we're out of town, by the grace of God, we're going to find a church to go to. Be on the same page about church. Church is important. Church is right and church is first because God's right and God's important and God's first. Be on the same page. Be on the same page about your children. Be on the same page about your children. Support each other as parents. You know, I really don't face this question anymore, but a lot of times the, the kids would come to me earlier in life and they'd ask me for something or ask me about something. And the first thing I'd ask them, I'd say, what'd your mama say? Not because I want what necessarily Amy wanted or whatever, but we want to be on the same page. If she's already said no, I'm not going to say yes. If your mama said no, I'm not going to say yes. Why? Not because maybe it's something that I would have said yes to, but if she said no, I'm going to say no too because we're going to support each other. We're not going to allow the children to learn the trick of dividing parents. Some of your parents, you're letting your children be the parents. And they're in control. I see it. 
One of them knocked me down just about in the, when we was having fellowship tonight or this afternoon or this morning. I saw another one, another uh, older person who'd be getting knocked down this after, this evening. Why? Because your children are being the parents and not you. Mm-hmm. Be on the same page. Sometimes you have foundational problems and the foundation's not laid right. Sometimes the termites are coming and invade your home. Termites come in and they are silent. They're unseen. Before you know it, they surface and you got problems. Those little things that come in and eat away at your marriage. Those little things that come in way and eat away at your the structure of your home and the things that you've tried to work on and the things that you tried to hold together and you, you get slack and you get lazy and you don't do the things that you used to do and you don't help like you should. And the little things that don't seem like they're very significant like, how are you today? Or I love you. Or like staying at work too long when you need to be at home with your family. Or like saying yes to somebody else and putting your family off. Just those little things. Those little things that come in and eat away. Sometimes the weather, sometimes the weather gets cold and the, the pipes freeze and, and, and pipes burst and, and what a mess it makes. It can even ruin the floor. I remember a friend of ours in, a, in, in Mississippi uh, had a double wide home and uh, the pipes bust and nearly ruined the entire home because of one little problem. One little problem. We can't stop the cold. We can't stop the cold from coming into our marriage. It happens. Marriages, marriage and home life, hey, there's good times, there's, there's hard times, there's, there's lovely times. There's, there's, you know, in, in the wedding vows, it said in, in, in sickness and in health, in poverty and wealth, in good, it talked about in good times, it talked about in hard times, it talked about in bad times, staying together. Staying committed. Can't stop the cold from coming into our home. We can't stop it. But when it does come, we can take precautions. We can take precautions uh, to keep the pipes from busting. You know what I'm talking about? Hey, uh, you know, I grew up in Oklahoma, and it was cold in Oklahoma, in the area where I lived. And, and we'd insulate the pipes, and I know it freezes here too, and you know all about that. And we'd, we'd put the electrical tape around the, um, uh, the, um, on the pipes, and, and we'd leave the faucet running and, and, or dripping. And, you know, uh, when it get below freezing, just to, keep them, just to keep some maintenance going, you know what I'm saying? Takes a little effort. Takes a little effort. So tonight, husbands, why don't you buy your wife something to keep the pipes from freezing? You say, insulation cost. Yep. Leaving the water dripping cost. Yep. That heat tape cost. Yep. Yeah. But in the longer term, it maintains the house. Those little extra costs may keep the pipes from busting in your marriage. Don't be a tightwad, Dad. Don't be a tightwad, husband. Don't be selfish. Tell your wife you love her. I know a man that said, I told my wife I loved her the day I got married. If I change my mind, I'll let her know. And he's serious. And he's serious. And he's working on his third marriage. 
I'm going to tell you why if you love her, show her. Show her. Buy her some flowers just because. Just because, I mean, it, not your birthday, not Valentine's Day, not, not um, whatever, just, just because. Keep the pipes from busting, buddy. The building started on your home when you said, I do. So our homes need to be established in several areas. Looking at Proverbs chapter number 24, I'm going to read our verses again. Proverbs 24 and verse number 3, Through wisdom is a house built, and by understanding it is established. Established. Our homes need to be established in several areas. I'm going to look at three, four areas here tonight, and I think I'll quit after I get through these four areas. Four areas our homes need to be established by communication, by commitment, by concern, and by cooperation. Number one, by communication. Communication establishes the home. Do you know your spouse? See, I know her pretty good. Amy and I courted for almost two years before we got married, and I thought I knew her pretty good. We've been married, Miss Jimmy, now over 29 years, be 30 in July, and I'm still getting to know my wife. Still getting to know my wife. You know, we was talking about something the other day, and I said, you know, I just learned something new about you. And, you know, you said, what was that? It's none of your business. It's not, none of your business. You see, I'm asking you, do you know your spouse? You say, I know them. What's their favorite color? What's their favorite meal? If it's the wife, it's probably one you didn't have to fix. What's their favorite time of the year? Do you, know, do you know your spouse? Does your wife know how to change a flat tire? Do you know? Well, I don't know. Do you know? Do you know your spouse? When we fail to communicate, the foundation starts to sink. The termites start to take over. The pipes start to freeze. Proverbs 24 tells us that the house is established by understanding. Do you, do you understand each other? Husband, do you understand your wife? Wife, do you understand? Sometimes you scratch your head. I don't know. The Bible says for husbands that we're to dwell with them according to knowledge. Do you know? Do you know? Do you, do you take time to, to figure it out? Or is it him doing his thing and her doing her thing? Usually when it's like that, there's no rhythm in the home and children end up being curtain climbers and they're the ones ruling the roost and nobody's, it's, it's chaos. It's out, of the, it's out of control. And they don't talk, they scream. Why is it so quiet? Communication establishes the home. Secondly, commitment establishes the home. We live in a generation uh, that thinks that they should shack up and see if, if it'll work. And then uh, children come along and they decide to get married. And if it doesn't work, they get a divorce. The Bible tells us in Malachi that God hates putting away. 
you know, we're not going to deal with that right now, but God hates putting away. It's not God's will uh, to start a home like that, and it's not God's will to end a home at any time. Amen? God hates putting away. And if you've been through that, I understand. I grew up in a, in a divorced and remarried home, and my wife did too, and we've dealt with people and helped people. And if you're in, this, in that situation, we're not here to try to preach against you and teach against you and to push you out. We're trying to help your children. Commitment. We need to be committed to our spouse. Our marriage vows said that it was till death do us part. We shouldn't have to worry in the back of our mind when we get home, are they going to be there? Say, they're going to be there because we're committed. We're committed. Concern establishes the home. Do you really care about your family? Do you look after the well-being? Or is it just, well, this is the way it is and I'm stuck. It don't have to be that way. It don't have to be that way. Are you concerned about your children's well-being? Are you concerned about your wife's well-being? Wife, are you concerned about your... Is there really any care? Is there any love in your home? I'm talking about real love that God has produced. Number four, cooperation. Cooperation establishes the home. Everybody, most everybody likes our dog. Our dog is well-mannered, and that just doesn't happen. Somebody had to do something about it. And um, we said, well, I'd like to have a dog like that. We well, wouldn't want to do what we did to get that dog we like that. You say, what are you trying to say, brothers? We're talking about the home. What I'm trying to say is, what I'm trying to say is this. You won't have trained children without two trained parents. You expect to tell your children to do something you're not really willing to do right yourself? It's not going to happen. I've, 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 seen, I've seen young parents said, well, well your, your children turn out all right there, so I guess there's hope for ours. It just don't turn out like that. It takes time. It takes commitment. It takes consistency. Some of you are going to let your children go to hell because you just let them do what they want to do. We'll deal with more of that later, Lord willing. Brother Randy lets me preach again. He may not let me preach again, but that's all right. You see, if you're not willing to help, you see, be helpful, Mama. Be helpful, Daddy. Daddy, just because you clocked out for the day doesn't give you the right to sit around and be waited on. You say, well, she's just been at home all day doing nothing. She got, you got children at home. She hadn't been, been sitting around doing nothing. Well, she might have been. She might have been sitting around on her device all day looking at whatever and not letting the kill, children go wild. And then if it, the Bible says a child left to himself, bring his mother shame, you'll shame on you, mama. But she's been busy all day. She should be. But just because you come home and been working all day and you're tired and you think your job's done, you can just sit around and do nothing. You're wrong, buddy. You ain't going to have a home very long. So I ask you the question, did your wife marry a husband or a child? 
Did your wife marry a husband or a child? Help with the kids. Help with the dishes. Pick up your dirty clothes. I used to do the dishes quite a bit. I don't, I, it's been a while since I've done them. Why? Because we've trained our children to help. If they're not there, I'll step in. Help. Help. Pick up your dirty clothes. Have some decency about yourself to wash the toothpaste out of the sink. Oh, she's there. She'll take care of it. Learn to iron your clothes, buddy. I can tell some of you don't know how to iron your clothes at all. My mama taught me before I moved to Bible college. She said, you're going to need to iron your, know how to iron your clothes. She, she ironed for us before, you know, and did things. And, and um, when I was in high school, she said, you're going to need to learn how to iron your clothes. When I was living in the dorm at the camp, I was ironing other people's clothes because they looked awful. I was embarrassed to come to church with them. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. You say, I thought we were talking about home. We are talking about the home. You know, buddy, there's, there, you, you guys, there's going to be times when your, your wife has been worked and tired. And um, when I, I was taking a shower this morning, I was thinking about, what am I going to wear today? What am I going to wear today? It flies. bothering me. I'm sorry about that. And um, I picked out my mind what I was going to wear. And I got to the closet. And the white shirt wasn't ironed. But this shirt was ironed. You know what I did? I changed my mind about what I was wearing. It wasn't God's will off me to wear what I thought I was going to wear. <laughs> but there's going to be times, there's going to be times when your wife is so busy with your young kids that she don't have time to go iron your shirt. Learn to, learn, learn to help. Learn to help, buddy. Somebody texted me right there. Didn't know I had reception or I turned it off. You see, God wants to do a work in your house, in your heart, and in your home. And if you're not willing to, to help, what do you expect? What do you expect out of your wife if you're not willing to help? What do you expect out of your husband if you're not willing to be committed as a wife? What do you expect out of your children if you just say, okay, what, do whatever you want to and we'll try to go to church and make it look good? You know, I see parents. I, saw, I was at the Chick-fil-A the other day and um, this kid was acting up his dad and um, he, was, he was using the, the divider there in the line for a, a jungle gym. And the dad was, you know, trying to get him under control. And he said, buddy, you're about to embarrass yourself. And my thought was, no, he's embarrassing you. Because he hadn't dealt with it at home. You see, if you'll deal with it at home, you shouldn't have to deal with it in public. There'll be times when they act up, you have to deal with it in public. But just be consistent. Be consistent. And this is going to have to be continued, Lord willing, if Brother Randy had me preach again. But um, I'm going to have to cut it off right there because 
Uh, we got several more pages, and this is a good stopping point. So, you know, it's not our, our, not our desire to, to hurt you. It's our desire to get you to think. It's our desire to get you, my desire to get you to say, is my house in order? Is, 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 am I the husband I need to be being? And I'm the wife that I need to be in? Are, are our children where, where we think they need to be at this stage in their life? Where are they? Where are you? What are you doing? What are you going to do? Let's stand. Let's pray. Father.